Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Ciceri. Hi, my name is Laura Ciceri, and today I want to share some updates on Project Zebra. Project Zebra was started during the pandemic when we found that supply chain planning systems were being turned off because companies couldn't sense and couldn't respond through the traditional definition of planning. So it's named Project Zebra because the question is, can a zebra change its stripes? We know in the real world that when zebras migrate in Africa from region to region, that they can change their stripes. But can business leaders change theirs? And that's the essence of Project Zebra. And what I wanna talk to you about today is where we're at on the project. It has three parts, the as is, the to be, and the testing phase. We're finished the as is and to be work, and we're gonna share that today. And I'm also gonna talk with you about the testing phase and what to expect. So the goal of Project Zebra is to define outside-in processes that can help the enterprise better sense and respond. Today's supply chains may sense but they struggle to connect to the response. And most supply chains just respond. They respond historically in a rote fashion. And unfortunately, historic patterns are not representative of demand today because today all we're facing is disruption after disruption after disruption. And we have unprecedented demand and supply volatility. So the work is designed to be open source, to be collaborative and cross industry. In the group, we have a person from chemical, a person from aerospace and defense, white goods, dishwashers, uh, consumer goods. And so we're trying to make it cross industry and collaborative through our work with both academics and ASCM and also the technology provider 09. So what's the background? Before the pandemic, only a third of companies believed that their supply chain was working well. They felt it was really controlled. In fact, we've hardwired the supply chain so it's so controlled that it's inflexible. And most people are still operating in functional silos and functional metrics, so throw the supply chain out of balance. And they're struggling because the supply chain is reactive, it's traditional, it's cautious. And they want something that is more adaptable, more proactive, and something that can be outside in. Another big issue is that we started the pandemic with 20 more days of inventory than before the Great Recession in 2007. So often people will say, well, one of the issues with the current shortages is that we had vendor-managed inventory and just-in-time programs and the inventories were too low. But that is not the case. I mean, look at these numbers, 20 more days of inventory. The problem was that we probably had the wrong inventory. So as you drive up all the highways, whether it's 95 on the east or five on the west, you see warehouse after warehouse lining the road and it's it's filled with inventory. And why is that? You know, why after spending 1.7% of revenue on supply chain, are we facing rising inventories? Well, one of the issues is that we focused on safety stock only, 
not really managing form and function of inventory. So form of inventory is, should I hold the item as a raw material, semi-finished good, a finished good? And the function of inventory is the role that it plays in the supply chain. Should it be cycle stock, which is how we actually manage manufacturing in transit inventory, seasonal inventory, course, cycle stock also has safety stock accompanied with it, or perhaps it's a new product launch. But all forms of inventory have to be managed. And we have to look at where do we push and where do we pull and what are the buffers and how do we manage it holistically? And we're not. I laugh because people will say they've got an end-to-end supply chain strategy. And what that usually means is order to cash, procure to pay, a very transactional-centric world, not really thinking about form and function of inventory. And inventory is really important now because it is our most important buffer in the supply chain. If you think about what's happened over the last decade, more and more companies are sweating their assets with extreme asset utilization, and we no longer have excess capacity as a buffer. So if we don't design inventory buffers, then we lose out on the opportunity to buffer demand and supply variability, and it's never been higher. So a third of companies were not satisfied. Inventory was 20 more days. And Outside in is designed to reduce the bullwhip effect. You know, we play games where we simulate the bullwhip effect and everybody shakes their head and wants to go fix it. But, you know, I've been in supply chain for almost 50 years and we have not really tackled the bullwhip effect holistically. And we can't do that unless we can sense and respond outside in. So in summary, the traditional supply chain is functional. It's linear, it's transactional, it's inside out. We have spent a lot of money on ERP and connecting things to ERP and not really connected to the markets, to suppliers. And so looking forward, the supply chain becomes cross-functional, non-linear, senses before acting in an intelligent way and outside in. But to do that, we must learn from the past, to unlearn, to rethink, to build better. And it's the unlearning that's so hard because it's uncomfortable. And many people feel very comfortable with what they know. And admitting that what we have today is not adequate is very difficult for people. And so getting out of the paradigms requires us to really think differently. So I encourage people to take a whiteboard and sit down with your team and think about the pandemic. For us, it was March 2020 when we first started thinking about the pandemic and shutdowns and write all of the issues that you had. Perhaps it was product shortage. Perhaps it was a quality issue. Perhaps it was in transit inventory that you couldn't get off of a boat at a certain port. Or maybe it was a spike in market demand. Do a chronological review of the pandemic and look at all your business issues. You know, and maybe do that in a black pen. And then write down all of the data sources that if you had had data that you would have been able to really sense and respond. It might be rating and review data, you know, where you can see 
how people are feeling about your products through unstructured text mining. Maybe it's weather events, or maybe it was COVID-19 illness rates, or perhaps it was back to school rates, or the GDP, or housing starts. Whatever the market drivers are, when you look at the issues you had in the pandemic, think about the data that you had or wish you had and the source of the data and how you can do it. Do it on both the demand side and the supply side. Most people will think about sensor data for demand quicker than they'll think about it for supply. On the supply side, think about in-transit data. Think about telematics from carriers, AIS signals from ocean transport. Think about your signals that you could get from your suppliers, the location of your suppliers, the weather events perhaps for the suppliers. And map those and step back and think about how could you sense market to market from the customer's customer to the supplier's supplier, because that's how I define end to end. And how could you take this data to the outcome to improve your moment of truth? And your moment of truth is usually, did you ship on time in full and top quality? And think about how data and change in process can inform and how you need to unlearn from current processes to do that. And use a cross-functional team in this exercise because I find that procurement has consistently moved into isolation over the last decade. In fact, when I have people draw the river demand, often the procurement team will be on an island not talking to anyone, bring them under the tent. And the transportation group, which might be in a trailer at a plant, bring them in and have them have a discussion because we really need to be able to have a conversation across sales, how we go to market, customer service, transportation, procurement, manufacturing, and look at how can we drive market to market and do bi-directional orchestration. So bi-directional orchestration is if I sense and I find and discover a pattern, can I make corrective action? Can I perhaps take it to a different plant or perhaps can I change the grade of the material coming in? Could I change the bill of material? Could I change the transport, the mode? Could I change to a contract manufacturer? Could I perhaps make it in country versus sourcing globally? This is all about bi-directional orchestration of plan, make, source and deliver, working together to sense and then orchestrate market to market from the customer's customer to the supplier's supplier. So in summary, in the pandemic, no company was ready for the pandemic. Most companies turned off their demand planning and the supply planning became very reactive with a lot of rooms and people trying to work it out, but really struggling to get market signals. So this is a great opportunity to kick off a new initiative, but it's also a great opportunity for you to do that whiteboard exercise and to start to learn from the work we're doing in Project Zebra and imagine the supply chain of the future from the customer back. So one of the things that we did was we formed a cross-functional team and we asked people to look at the issues that they had in demand and supply. And this is a Miro board activity where we actually had everyone work together to come up with the issues in demand and supply. 
And the pain points that we saw were that in demand, accountabilities were misaligned. You know, people weren't clear on who had management for inventory. They weren't really looking at form and function and looking at the probability of demand. And process latency was a killer. Uh, demand was not available to the speed of business that, you know, because we're so order centric and we have had lengthening of the order latency, uh, which order latency is the time it takes from consumption to getting an order because that latency has increased so much that the order in the traditional processes just weren't adequate. And then we didn't have a lot of seamless flow between horizons and we had a lot of organizational politics and we hadn't really thought about demand usage up and down what I'm going to call the demand river for finance, for sales, for sales account teams and for procurement. And so we needed seamless flow and be able to drive that. And then in supply to, you know, no surprise, Alignment's also an issue here because we're not managing to a cross-functional scorecard. We're managing against functional metrics. Traditional supply chain planning was very focused on manufacturing, not really procurement and transportation and the trade-offs of bidirectional orchestration. And we hadn't really connected planning to rules and policy and been proactive about the management. So we reached out and we formed a team. And this team had seven business leaders, it had four academics, and it had a score master from ASCM because we believed that if we were gonna be effective, we needed to challenge ourselves to basically document how could people be outside in and challenge the score model because score model basically single threads plan through make or source, or deliver, but not bi-directional, and it doesn't sense, it's assuming that the order and shipment are representative of demand. So we formed a cross-functional team and we started meeting weekly. And our first step was to look at the tactical and the operational horizons, which I've given you the definition here, which is looking at the time across the horizons, a look at constraints and bottlenecks, and also the consumption of the tactical plan for the operational horizon. Now, one of the issues is that in many planning implementations, people are not good on governance, on the definition of the horizon, the goal of the horizon, and the consumption of the data in the horizon. So we wanted to be able to build systems that would allow us to cross horizons as well. And then we moved into a project plan and we first started with the documentation of the as-is processes so that we could get that into a good model for SCORE. We don't really have that today. And we wanted to be able to contrast the current state to the future state. And then we started a series of exercises to basically identify market signals and what those processes could be outside in. And then we got two volunteers to test and we're into the testing phase now. So this was our schedule. The team was very dedicated and we met and we went through a holistic exercise where we first looked at what were the issues and how did we need to unlearn 
And then we map the rivers of demand and I'm gonna work you, with you on what that exercise looked like so that we could think about river as a flow, not demand as a time phase spreadsheet, right? You know, the time phase spreadsheets that we have is sort of like an old Polaroid picture of demand. What we wanted to do was to understand flow and rocks and eddies and where we needed to move data to help people to make decisions and decision flows and think about it holistically and then break down the silos as you see at the top of this for people because our people are all in structural boxes, right? They don't collaborate very well. They can't see data very well. Only 3% of organizations are planners and we wanted to democratize planning with digital sandboxes that would allow what if analysis and a shared vision for a more holistic view. So this is what we were doing in terms of the methodology we started with the river demand and then we ended with bi-directional orchestration mapping. And as we went through the as is, we knew we needed to bridge the gap, make sure that it's real, make sure that we're accountable to help people to understand what the value proposition is. And that's why we we're testing. And I just want to spend a minute, you know, reflect the industry is really good at technology innovation. Every day I get a press release about a new function, a new feature, some kind of cool widget. But what we're not really good is process innovation. We don't take the principles of product innovation, of testing and learning and sharing. And as a result, most people struggle with how to apply new technologies in the art of the possible process innovation. And so we wanted to do this for the industry. And we started with the pandemic and the issues of the pandemic that people couldn't sense and they couldn't respond. And then we started with how could we map this outside in process? What were the attributes? And came up with a concept called the market knowledge graph. And the market knowledge graph is one of the concepts that we're testing. It's one of 16 concepts that we identified that is part of the outside in process. And it is a balanced scorecard that sits across all functions and answers the question of how good is the plan? How are we doing to plan? And what is the opportunity? And democratizes the data so that the PL leaders and everyone in the back office can see but also allows you to see market potential. So part of what we're doing in outside in processes is taking the signal on market processes, some people call this baseline demand, and moving it across trade promotion, moving it across price promotion, into demand planning, and connecting it to the market knowledge graph so that people can simulate based upon what is happening in the market and it may not just be their product. They may be looking at the total category, but it is a way that we can move outside in processes. And so as we went along and people drew their rivers of demand, they realized that on the river, there were many different people. There were sales, and forecasting, and new product launch, and manufacturing, and procurement, and transportation. And that each of these roles on the river demand had very different needs and requirements that were largely being met, unmet. And that we needed to be able to translate across the roles on mix, on volume, 
on dollars and to be able to do that based upon market signals. So let's start and first talk about the river, right? The river rises with the customer when product is purchased in the channel, consumed in the channel, and then the signal flows back to the organization to drive output. So here's a river demand activity, and I'm just going to walk through this with you to give you an idea. On the left-hand side, we have all the market data. So this is a consumer products company. Look at all the market data they have, right? And in marketing, the water is very blue. People are working on monthly cadence and all this data, but they're not asking themselves the question of what is the market potential? And so often the marketing plans are overstating the market potential. And then when that is translated into F&A or accounting, and we go through SNOP, many times SNOP becomes like a Ferris wheel where it's closely coupled to the budget and people aren't clear on the role of the forecast and the role of the budget and turbulence happens. And then we take it to the plants and each of the plants operate in isolation. And then we've got procurements sitting on an island because it's not connected. And we've got OEMs here, which are your contract manufacturers, which are sort of just in another world, not connected at all. So we've got all this market data not used. We introduce turbulence through internal processes. We actually accelerate the bullwhip effect through these, these processes. And so we struggle and we don't have good master data. So this is another view of the river of demand where we've got a waterfall of what we're trying to do in demand generation. But then we've got rocks of adherence, issues, wormhole of customer collaboration, issues with aligned incentives, process latency. And as a result, because the organization can't align on demand, we had unplanned demand vaporizing with cannibalization, competition, and major events. Another river of demand, which looks at, you know, this particular company, it was a pet food company. And if you look, this company is spending all of its time on a PL center IBP process. And they're very caught up in political gyrations around how they meet the budget and what the budget's going to be and what the forecast is for the budget. But because they're gaming the system and they're not really sharing market potential, the people in supply chain are really struggling. They're lacking capacity because they can't really get the commitment from the business against the market potential. They can't sense the market potential. They're air freighting products into the plants and everybody is very reactive and they're struggling and people can't see this lost opportunity in terms of inventory. So people said, well, what if we had the ability to see across the river by role? We could sense and we could see what was feasible and we could look at competing viewpoints on data, democratize planning and make sure that it's clean and accurate by role. One person said to me, that would improve the trust in the data. She said, one of my issues in being a demand planner is that people don't trust the numbers, but if they're market numbers and if they're committed and part of the process, then we could cut down the trust issues. And I agree with her. And then on the supply side, you know, the management is scattered. We have lack of visualization, inventory, latency, 
and we haven't moved forward much in the last decade. So what we did was we basically said, when we look at the current state, well, there's a lot we need to work on. Visualization, serving roles of people across the river, managing complexity. And the group chose to work on two of 16 capabilities that we identified in outside in processes. And the two were the market knowledge graph, which we're testing with Western Digital. Western Digital's Transportation Center of Excellence is actually gonna take the market signals, the AIS, the telematic signals, and what's happening on inbound and look at how they bi-directionally orchestrate customer service and look at cross-functional inputs. Whereas the market-driven demand management pilot is gonna be piloted by BSH home appliances. Think of them as Bosch or Thermador. And they're looking at outside in signals. You know, Bosch couldn't make enough dishwashers in the pandemic and they were very constrained and they're looking at how long is that gonna last and how could they get a good signal so that they could better manage their supply chain. And so as we look at this, we basically took all of our key learnings and we documented them in the score model and we contrasted that with the 2B. And in the 2B, we started with the personas of who is in the supply chain and what would this look like for Dylan and customer service and Sylvia who manages the plant and Annette who's a P&L leader and Maggie who's a tech financial controller and Ralph who's a tactical supply planner and Jill who's a demand planner and how could we design a system for the team, not just for an individual, so that we could improve outside in? And so for each of these two capabilities that we're testing, we built storyboards. And these storyboards are available and we can share them. And what we did was we built storyboards of how their day-to-day -day would work and how they would change how they interacted and then we documented what that to be state would look like and how it would be different, right? So that everyone in the demand world, when you're outside in and you're tethered to baseline or market potential is accountable. When price and trade promotion and demand planning and sales are all working off of a market signal coming from the market and it's looking like a stream not a number. So it's much like a weather forecast where, you know, I think back when I was a little girl, you know, we knew that there was a hurricane headed towards the Florida panhandle, but we didn't know where it was going to hit. And we didn't have great models. But, you know, today we know where the hurricane is going to hit. But not only that, but we have alternate models. And as the hurricane approaches land, those models change because we're always sensing. And we're seeing that what we're gonna build in the 2B state is very much like weather forecasting, where we're gonna have the probabilities, we're gonna have the scenarios, and then we're gonna connect what we think is the most likely scenario to supply, continually sense, and then to be able to align. And that's what we're working on. And so, you know, in the joint meeting, you know, we said, well, where do we need to ask people to think about work that they'd have to do to adapt? And they said, you know, change management is a big issue, right? 
people think that functional silos work well. They don't understand that when we're in functional silos that we throw the supply chain out of balance. They don't understand that when we single thread plan, source, make, or deliver through the organization and the traditional score model that we throw the supply chain out of balance. Also signals, people don't know how to use signals, right? They don't know how to do bi-directional orchestration. So we would need to train people and need to test to be sure that it works. There's also a concept of horizontal freedom that we talked about where just like Google Maps, where you can take your fingers and you can move the map in and out, we're envisioning in this 2B state that we'll have horizontal freedom where we'll be able to go across horizons and see tactical, strategic, operational, and to be able to see the movement of data across them. So in the assets versus the 2B state, we see that we're moving from a world where everyone's in a functional silo, hair is on fire, they're working on Excel spreadsheet because 72% of planning actually happens on Excel spreadsheet. And they're all stuck within this enterprise wall, right? It's, you know, an enterprise focus to being like a weather forecaster, to be able to do what if analysis and digital simulations and to share that up and down the river demand to have people connect on what that river could be looking like tomorrow and what that needs to be in terms of the supply plan and how they need to align. And so I think it's really powerful to go from being really stuck in you know, rows and columns and the technology with relational databases to be able to be open to sense and respond and to translate and to move decision flows through the organization as flows, not as a table or not as a single piece of data. And that's what we're working on. So market to market orchestration, we're looking at things like baseline sensing, shaping and shifting, because today most of the demand is shifted. It's not really shaped and uh, that we have a lot of programs that actually don't give us incremental demand. How can we have listening posts, use unstructured text, test and learn, bullwhip meter to look at, you know, how we're doing on the bullwhip, middle mile orchestration, continual network alignment, contract manufacturing, synchronization, form and function of inventory, playbooks of supply, demand orchestration and sourcing to go to suppliers, warranting quality sensing, looking at listening posts, supplier development. And so what we're doing is we're saying, how can we move this data market to market? And these are the capabilities we identified. The market knowledge graph, which would be a continual governor across sell, deliver, make, and source to look at the effectiveness of the plan and to measure the effectiveness of the plan to the balanced scorecard. And this is what we're testing with Western Digital. The market-driven demand management, which we're testing with BSH, which looks at baseline and market potential and how can we take the forecastability of the signal or push vision of variation and run the baseline through all of our demand shaping activities and our supply planning activities to be able to look at outside in. And then demand visibility, which really looks at a need for a demand visibility tool across all of the personas to connect them the digital twin for the supply base to be able to simulate 
the bullwhip and mint limitator, which would be a fallout from the simulator, which allows you to look at what is the bullwhip amplification and distortion of the signal. Rules automation through bidirectional orchestration. Listening posts, which is mining unstructured text and then acting on it. Sensing, which is looking at how do we take streaming data like digital manufacturing and move it into operational executional plans. And then, you know, some other capabilities. But the group decided, let's start with the market knowledge graph and the market-driven demand management. So now we're moving into the testing phase. And during the next six weeks, we will be testing the market-driven demand management with BSH Home Appliances Group. And we'll be testing the supply bidirectional orchestration with Western Digital. We will share the results in August. I'll write the case studies and we'll also share them at the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit, along with their learnings about what worked and what didn't work. And one of the things in process innovation, when you fail, you still learn. And our goal is learning, not necessarily getting the technology to work. And 09 is providing the technology and our goal is to basically take the implementation teams through the education, the current state, the 2B in process and summary over the next six to eight weeks to be able to drive a high level of testing and to be able to then say, what is the value proposition? Because for people to change, they need to know what the value proposition is. So how do you get involved? Well, we have an open LinkedIn group. We're doing outreach through the newsletter. We've got a website. It's, you know, a simple website. And then we have speaking engagements. We'll actually be sharing the results at CSCMP and the educators track, ASCM and an education track in October, and the results of the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit. And the work that has been done on the score model for the as-is and to be state will actually be taken to a technical committee. And so we're hoping that we can redefine the score model to be outside in and more usable. So Project Zebra, here is the way that you can get there easy. And the question is, can a business leader change his stripes? Can we be more outside in? We hope so. And that is the genesis of Project Zebra. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to your participation. My name is Laura Ciceri and I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights and I want to give you a personal invitation to join this year's Supply Chain Insights Global Summit. Now in its eighth year of doing this conference, we designed this for a unique experience for supply chain leaders to learn from technology leaders to think differently and drive new outcomes. We're hoping that you can make it on September 7th through the 9th in Franklin, Tennessee. In the conference, we handpick all of the speakers and we design the conference for a unique networking experience so that you leave to build a guiding coalition for change. We hope to see you there.